This episode of the Autism Dead podcast is brought to you by Bennett Life. Hey, it's Rob Gorski, and I'm here with my 14-year-old Emmett. And we want to talk to you about this new probiotic, Neurally, that he and I have been taking, I don't know, about two months now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Neurally is a unique probiotic. It's the first of its kind where it actually regulates the happy hormones it, in the gut. That- Dad, let's not bore them with the science stuff. Let's just talk about how it's been affecting me since we've been taking it for the past two months. I have a lot of food sensitivities and I can't usually have like milk or ice cream without getting sick. And so with Neurally, it's been helping with uh, my sensitivities and I've been able to eat ice cream and have milk in my cereal again. It's been helping a lot and I think I'll pass it back to my dad for the rest. Yeah, so I I agree. I mean, I, I've noticed that you you are not having as many issues with lactose related stuff, and I've also noticed that you seem to be just a little more chill, like a little more relaxed, maybe less anxious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm noticing the changes in, and they've been very positive. If you guys want to find out more about Neurally, you can visit BennettLife.com. That's B-E-N-E-D-L-I-F-E.com, or they can find a link in the description below. Perfect. Ooh, good catch, Emmett. Uh, Emmett's over there waving at me to remind me. <laughs> I forgot. If you use a discount code, the Autism Dad, at checkout, you'll save 20% on your first order. My name is Rob Gorski. Welcome to the Autism Dad podcast, where we talk about all things related to autism and parenting and ADHD and self-care and mental health and all those things that are important and relevant in our everyday lives. But sometimes there's stigma attached to it, or, or we feel like we're alone and that there's no one out there who can get it or who understands or who can relate. Well, I can relate. And the people that come on the show can relate. So if you're looking to connect with people who are of similar circumstance, who have similar experiences in life, look no further. You found the right place. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. My guest today is Paul Simmons, and he is not only an autism dad, so we're going to have a cool conversation like between dads, but he is also the founder of Autism Radio and host of the Hope Saves the Day podcast. So we're going to have this really interesting conversation about his journey as a parent and you know how how he sort of got into doing all these things for the autistic community he does a lot of stuff very very popular and kind of an icon in the community to be completely honest with you and i'm very lucky to have him here so thank you very much paul for taking the time to come on the show could you take a moment and just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah thanks rob for having me on your program my name is Paul Simmons, uh, founder of Hope Saves a Day, uh, which was the first podcast to be syndicated on FM radio. Uh, and then in 2010, uh, we started Autism Radio, which is now a nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to help individuals and families that have children with autism. What is like? What was your connection to autism? Like, what got you sort of started? You know, in that in that space. Yeah, I think uh, Rob, very similar to your, you know, journey. You know, my son Jonathan was born in 2003, and when he was like two and a half years old, uh, was diagnosed with autism. Obviously, at that time, you know, very different time, uh, wasn't a lot of resources out there at the time. There really was not a ton of resources, which doesn't seem that long ago, right? My son was diagnosed with autism. The only thing I knew at the time was like really the movie Rain Man. Right, which is obviously very, very different than where my son was dealing with and his behaviors and you know his learning disabilities that he was challenged with. He was developing neurotypically at that time. He was two and a half. He had some speech uh, vocabulary, probably about 70, 80 words in his vocabulary. The doctor, pediatrician was just at the time kind of saying he was just delayed. Uh, you know, oh, you know, probably because his big sister, you know, because obviously my daughter Emily was born uh, before him. 
And so, you know, she talked a lot and she was very chatty and, and stuff like that. So, you know, he said, well, you know, he's probably, she, he's probably just not talking as much because your daughter's kind of, you know, dominating the conversation. Um, you know, but there was behaviors and there was different things that I noticed and, and, and about him. And I said, something's wrong, you know, and my wife and I kind of looked at each other and we really didn't know what was going on. You know, we, we were really kind of concerned, you know, and, and so we finally got a hold of, uh, he was actually in a, in a daycare center and they saw some signs and they said, uh, you know, we, we have a early intervention services here in New Jersey. And so we were able to get him kind of into earlier intervention. Again, he didn't have a diagnosis, but they said, okay, um, Mr. Simmons, basically, you know, you need to get your son to a pediatric uh, neurologist. So we took him there. And um, sure enough, after a couple hours of the doctor spending time with him and, and us, uh, he comes and sits us down and tells us, you know, uh, your son has autism. And again, that was like, I thought of it at the time, like a death sentence. Okay. Cause we didn't know what that was. We really didn't know anything about it. Like I said, other than Rain Man, and I was like, this is not Rain Man, right? And then shortly after that, he lost all of his speech. It just disappeared. Like the lights went out. He got worse. Behaviors got worse um, instead of getting better. That's basically how we started our journey. And then we were able to, early intervention only runs to the ages of three. Uh, so after three, he needed to go to some kind of a, a program. Uh, in my local town of Roxbury, New Jersey, they had a autism program was brand new to the district. He was enrolled in the program. And of course, he wasn't fit. His behaviors were too out of control. Well, I remember my wife called me up hysterically crying saying that, you know, I'm sorry, um, you know, Jonathan can't go to school. We can't handle. Uh, he was too much to handle. Then we were able to get a caseworker, obviously um, work with a caseworker and we're able to find a, a more appropriate program for him. Ever since, uh, you know, he's been in the program. And, and again, we used to go to um, family support meetings. Uh, there was a, there's an organization which is no longer existing. Uh, it's now called Autism New Jersey, which you may have heard of, Rob. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a pretty big organization. They kind of took over for COZAC. COZAC was kind of like a, a big organization. It was around a long time. A lot of grassroots type individuals with, with the organization. And we used to go to these support groups for parents. And, um, you know, we obviously we had to get mom or get somebody hire a babysitter to come watch both the kids. And then we would drive, you know, and, and go to these support groups. And that's, uh, I had a, a major accident, a car accident, and I was sitting on the couch one day and I said, um, I was just hearing about podcasting. It was very, very new. You got to remember, this is like 06, 2006, really very few podcasts. So came up with this concept or idea. I said, well, maybe I could do a podcast and talk about autism, but nobody was doing it kind of a scary thing because nobody's mm -hmm. doing it and kind of being the first one, it's scary, right? Um, and and I know you've done this too in, in recent years, you know, the past couple of years, you, you put yourself out there, you know, you don't know how people are going to respond, right? Right. Um, and uh, again, I just wanted, my, my mission goal was like, if anything, for me, it was very therapeutic to put myself out there. It was like therapy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think for me was huge because when I started getting some listeners and getting some emails back how this one mom was up all night, heard the podcast and she's like, oh my God, like somebody's going through what I'm going through. And, and I know you and I spoke about this last week yeah. on, our, on my show when I had John. And that was like a big eye-opening moment for me. I think like, wow, okay, so there's something to this. That motivated me to continue 
doing it week after week. And back then it was just a podcast. Again, there was no radio. Uh, mm -hmm. There was none of that. And then in 2009, I mean, we had we had a lot of listeners in our podcast, hundreds of thousands of listeners. Clear Channel Media actually said, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll pick up your program uh, for you know half an hour uh, every week, and we'll we'll air it on a few of our our networks." And um, lo and behold, here we are today, 2022, uh, and we're on 54 FM stations throughout the country, UK, Canada, and and we transitioned in 2011 into South America with uh, Univision now. So we also oh, wow. have them as a, another um, another resource, another way to connect with the Latino population as well. So that's uh, something else I'm also very, very proud of too, because I, I felt that was a very- Underserved community. They weren't getting a lot of the materials and information, Yeah, you know, like a lot of us that obviously speak the English language, so. You started out with a podcast and I had a very similar experience but I started with my blog, right? Where, yeah. like, like I told you the other day, I was just sort of using it as like a personal journal that I, I didn't think anybody, it was meant to be private. Um, yeah. And that's uh, still cringe thinking about it. But yeah, of course, the response that I ended up getting was very, very positive. And it was just, it was like uh, people were exhaling, you know, like they, they've lived this, this journey that they've been on for so long in silence and in solitude and in isolation and feeling like, Nobody gets it. Nobody understands. They're the only person going through this. Uh, there's no one that they can relate to, no one they can talk to. And reading the thoughts that I should have just kept in my head and not shared <laughs> was right. was therapeutic for me. And it was comforting and validating for them. And so I had sort of the same experience. Your, your medium was podcasting or, or radio. So what was like, what was therapeutic about sharing? Well, I think the connection point to others, um, you know, expressing feeling the same experiences as myself right mm -hmm. so not only were i share my you know story with them um but they would also resonate saying my story helped them but then it also helped me too um yeah. and i think it, it gave me a platform right to express myself how i was feeling a lot of times right um, and of course the show evolved and I started getting more into interviewing and having guests, mm -hmm. right. But the foundation of the program was to share a lot of different stories and, and even some of the successes and things I was doing with my son. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would share, you know, again, being a chef, I was a trained chef. I mean, one of the things I, I, oh, I stumbled upon that. was like gluten-free recipes and I started creating right. fun foods to get my son to eat, to get the proper mm -hmm. nutrition. Cause that was the other thing. He was a very finicky eater. Was it like um, sensory related stuff? Yeah, he had a lot of sensory challenges, textures, co even colors. So I had to work within those guidelines and and find fun ways to introduce nutrient-dense foods, kind of hide them and sneak them in there. And so I shared that with a lot of people and it, it helped a lot of the kids, honestly. Did it work when you were trying to sneak the food in? Like it never, it hardly ever worked for me. No, well, you know, it's it's all how you do it, Rob. It's, it's I mean, I think, you know, again, being a trained chef, I, I have a lot of trades, secret trades that yeah. I'm able to do. Uh, and I know some of the things I've shared over the years too, which always worked well, was believe it or not, making ice pops. And that was probably, I stumbled across that. There was a company that used to be our sponsor called uh, the Hopeful Pops or Hope Pops. Actually, it's a funny story, but um, Miss former Miss Minnesota actually was working with them and partnered us together. And, uh, but actually it was pretty cool because they were, they were originally the company was for 
cancer patients, the way to get nutrients and dense in, into an oh, ice pop. Yeah. They found eating was very hard, right? And the thing is, when you puree stuff and you're, and you're blending items, it's, it's easy digestible, right? It's much right. easier for your body to digest, especially Absorb. if you're dealing with a major health challenge like such as cancer, right? Because your mm -hmm. body is, is under attack and your body's weak. And so this helps it ease the body to get those nutrients. And so I applied the same thing to my son because I did feel, and again, whether any data behind it, but I figured if I can get more nutrients into his diet, it might help some of his cognitive behaviors. You know, of course, the hope was to have him speak. That never happened, of course, but his behaviors did improve. I got to be honest, um, mm -hmm. because he had a lot of gut issues. Like, and so when I started changing his diet around, he stopped having those gut issues, which I think was probably causing some pain and inflammation. Um, yeah. If I had to be honest, again, I have no scientific data behind this, but again, I hear, you know, I was hearing some things from different holistic doctors. And I said, well, I can do this at home myself. I don't need to pay somebody to do this. I'm a chef. I'm a nutritionist by trade. I just applied that. And then mm -hmm. what I did is I shared it. I shared it with others. It was free information. Didn't charge anybody. Just put it out there for people to try. Yeah, that's that's so cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. My youngest, he's 14 now. He does, he does a lot better with food. But when he was little, I mean, and he's actually, he wants to go into culinary is his thing. Well, you should have him talk to me. I am a trained chef. I went to CIA. Yeah, I was thinking that we should connect on that because he he's the kind of person who can taste the individual ingredients in something. So like if I was trying to hide something in food, he could taste it. And, right. Right. and he would point it out to me and I'd be like, Oh man, like I can't lie to him. And yeah, no, I'm like, no. Oh, all right. Well, you know, well, he has a trained palate. <laughs> it's, it's basically, he has a very good palate. Then. Yeah, he can. Yeah. And uh, you know, the sensory stuff, like you were saying with color and texture and stuff, it was, you know, the, the sort of, cliche example that you always get is the chicken nuggets, right? Like they're misshapen yep. or they're slightly off color or the packaging right. that they're in changed and yep. they're not the same thing because it's not the same color package or whatever. No, exactly. And, uh, and that was really tough. And I know there are so many parents, I get so many questions about how to help their kids, how to have some type of balanced diet when their kids yep. have like a menu of four or five things, you know, chicken nuggets, rice, and you know, mac and cheese or something like that. Yep. Yeah, it used to be chicken nuggets, hot dogs, mac and cheese, and that's about it. You know. Yeah, we were maybe a we peanut were, butter jelly sandwich. Maybe none of my kids, my oldest will do that. None of my kids, my other two won't touch because the stuff mixes, and they don't like it when when you're mixing things together. Right. I'm like, guys, it gets all mixed together anyways. But <laughs> you know, they they do they do a lot better now, especially as I involve them in in cooking. Like Emmett really likes to cook salmon. That was huge. And actually, you just touched upon it. So one of the things I started doing with Jonathan was just actually just having him follow the process of what we were doing. And it actually intrigued him a lot. And a lot of times we'd have raw ingredients, not raw meats, obviously, but like vegetables raw. And mm -hmm. he would, I would like, here, taste this. Here's a pepper or here's, here's a celery or here's a piece of carrot. And he would eat them and they're raw. And little by little, he, he got more interested in trying things. And then his palate just took off and exploded. And now I got to be honest, there's nothing that my son won't eat. He eats <laughs> everything, which is good and bad. It's um, good and bad. He yeah. Eats, he, eats, he eats very well, very healthy that, too. That's cool. Yeah. So maybe we can actually do a show at some point talking specifically about that, helping parents to sure. overcome oh, some absolutely. of those, uh, the sensory things. I, I wanted to ask you too, when you 
when you first heard about your son's diagnosis, like when the doctors told you, like, what did that, what did that feel like for you? Like, what was that emotional experience for you? Uh, I was devastated. It probably lasted for me, Rob, probably 24 hours. And, and I, I, I made a joke about this a long time ago. I had my 24 hour pity party. I felt sorry for myself. Then I woke up the following morning and I said to myself, I need to do what's best for my son. Right. And of course I was driven to try to fix him. Right. That was one of the things, right. I wanted to do, but I realized that was not realistic. And then I've come to a realization over time where I just want to make him happy, healthy, and provide the best tools to him so that he's successful with whatever he can do, right? Um, but that was hard. It was really hard. And I think my wife was very different. She processed it extremely different than me. And mm -hmm. I think men in general, we try to fix things, right? I think that's a natural something in our natural DNA where we're always trying to problem solve and, and fix things. You know, my wife, she kind of shut down. I gotta be honest. She literally just closed herself off for a while and um, she dealt with it in her own way. And she kind of was like, it is what it is, you know? And I'm like, but no, we can do something. We, you know, and, and she'd be hopeful. Like we would try different therapies. I mean, Rob, I, I spent so much money on all these different, therapies and I, and I was sold on a lot of the snake oils out there, to be honest with you. And, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I think the biggest thing is you can't punish yourself for trying. Right. Cause right. I did, I was hard on myself. I'm like, Oh man, I just threw away $70,000 of our savings on this treatment that did nothing. It's hard to pill and swallow. But then, you know, you come to a realization with yourself, you say, um, you do anything for your kids, right? You would do yeah. anything to make them better. So I think, you know, I would say to, I always say to parents that have children with recently diagnosis is don't be too hard on yourself. Right. And you don't have to try to figure it all out overnight. I think parents get overwhelmed. They're like, I need to have everything I need. To, and you know what, you gotta, you gotta pace yourself. Right. The first thing is to find a good program, right? You want to get your yeah. child into yeah. a program, find out, find out what's available in your area and do your research on there. Start there. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, again, don't beat yourself up too bad. I mean, that's that would probably be the biggest advice because I think I really was tough on myself. I'm I'm naturally tough on myself as it is professionally as well. Um, so I think uh, they're definitely definitely created a, a weird dynamic at home for a while. Um, probably the first year was tough, and my wife wasn't too thrilled about me doing a podcast either. To be it's, honest, the presenting sponsor for this episode of the Autism Dad Podcast is Mightier. Okay, so I wanna take a minute and talk about Mightier. Mightier is a clinically proven mobile gaming app which was developed at Boston Children's Hospital. It's already helped more than 100,000 kids, including my crew here at home. Now, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I'm very big into anything that empowers parents, and that's one of the things that's so great about Mightier. It empowers both parents and kids, and it's all done through play. So how does it work? Great question. Kids play on a tablet or a phone while wearing a heart rate monitor, and Mightier incorporates breathing exercises and other proven calming techniques as part of the game. Kids get to see when it's time to cool down, and they learn how to do it themselves, and parents get to track their progress. With time, those calming skills become muscle memory. All it takes is 15 minutes a day, three days a week, and 87% of parents see improvement inside of 90 days. That's amazing. 
So check out Mightier.com to learn more about the science behind Mightier and how it works. That's M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R.com and use the code THEAUTISMDAD22 at checkout to save 10%. Well, I, I had to, I had the same thing with the blog. It was, um, I was very, uh, very honest and very transparent about what I was experiencing. And, you know, I, I kind of, I had very little privacy at that point because I was sharing everything because like I needed to get it out for myself and I'm, I'm a helper. Like I like to fix things. I like to make people better. I like to make people feel better. I was a fire medic before, uh, I had to, you know, quit to be home more often. And this, this filled that need for me, you know, it was, it was, you know, I've had people reach out and tell me things as, as dramatic as, you know, I, I just want you to know, like I was going to end my life because I, I was so overwhelmed and I felt so alone and I don't know anybody, another person who is, who is going through what I'm experiencing and they somehow stumbled across the blog and they read some, you know, a post that I had written about some dumb mistake that I made or something stupid. And it just, it just clicked with them that there's, there's other people out there, you know, that you're yeah. not by yourself. No, absolutely. And then, and then it becomes like, how can you not do that then? Like, how can you, if it's that much of an impact, you know, it's, uh, it, it seems like something that's overtly positive can come from those challenges and, and those experiences that, that we have as, as parents and, and dads, especially dads are the ones who tend to, in my experience, take it really hard, you know? And, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how different, how different people adjust, but I think it's also different when your child is born autistic and they, that's all, you know, right. They either never, they never speak or they never hit milestones the way that they typically should. And so this is what you know of your child. But when you, when you have a child who develops typically and then regresses, then it feels like you're fighting against something. And it was taken away from me. It was like it, my son it, was yeah. there and he was no longer there almost, but right. not really, you know, uh, in my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally, I totally get that. And that's a whole different dynamic. And that's a whole side of, of the autism thing that is, it's rare. It's not very, it's not very common that kids are regressing. So there's not a lot of people out there who talk about it. Cause there's not a lot of people out there who experience it and you don't quite fit in with everyone else because you're, you go through a period, like you're grieving the loss of your child who you still have, you know, and how do you trying to, it's the closest way that I've been able to relate it is, is like, um, you know, having a loved one with Alzheimer's, you know, where they, they physically look the same, but they reach a point where they're no longer recognizable. You know, they, they don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. They're so different and you end up grieving that loss and having to learn who they are again. It's actually interesting. You mentioned, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's because my grandfather, um, had dementia and was living near my mother, basically a mother daughter house. And my son would have some very inter interesting interactions with him, like very similar, a lot of similarities. My grandfather would look in the mirror, make noises, look at himself, make faces. My son would do the same thing. It's very interesting. Like there's, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit of a correlation there for some reason. I don't know why, but, um, but they were able to connect at a different level. It was very odd. Like literally my son who was very active, 
would sit next to him and be very still. And they would just sit there together. It was really weird how that dynamic worked. So Did I don't you know. ever have, and I, because I talked to Eileen Lamb is the only other person I think I've actually spoken with who has had a child regress. In all the years that I've been talking with people, I haven't, I've never met anybody else who has experienced that same thing that I went through. Did you ever have those weird things where like after Gavin had regressed, if he was running a fever, mm -hmm. he would, he, the symptoms would go away and he would be who he was before the regression happened. Well, it's interesting to say that because when he would run a fever, his behaviors got better. He was yeah. more focused, calm. Um, I wouldn't say he would be perfect, right? He would, it's not like he would speak or it's like or a glimpse, talk, but, but he would definitely be much clearer understanding on things. That's so more focused. It isn't. Yeah, no, that is actually a very interesting point you bring up. I used to call it a fever effect because we would know he was sick because he would, he would start doing the same things that he used to do before anything changed, you know, and he would just, but as soon as the fever went away, as soon as you'd give him Motrin or something to treat the fever, you know, if it was high enough, you had to treat it. Those behaviors would come back. It would come back. Yeah. And then it becomes yeah. like, it was like torture <laughs> because mm. you got a glimpse and then it went away again. And so it's just, it's, it's interesting uh, you said it because I talked to a doctor about that and it, somehow it, it affects the um, cerebral cortex of the brain when they have a fever, I guess. And I don't know if it puts pressure on that part of the brain, which stimulates them differently. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure why, but, but you are right. I mean, my son was much better. Like when he had a fever, he was just like a totally different child. Yeah. Um, we did notice that. Oh, wow. So, so th there know. is something to that in no. regression. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, how, how is everything going now? I mean, we went through some tough times I talked about in a program, um, Jonathan went through and, and again, we don't know exactly why this happened, but he went through like a, a very, almost like a manic episode where he was acting irrational, wasn't listening to anything we would say, kind of look through you. Um, and I think I explained this to you when we talked was he would run out of the house in the middle of the night and then just run outside yeah. and run around the yard and just kind of like not come in the house. And I couldn't get him in the house. And anytime I approached him, he'd run away from me. And I remember one night, it was, and this is like winter time. It was cold. It was, it was February, January. And I was outside four and a half hours one night with him outside in the middle of the night, like one, two, three, four in the morning outside. And then uh, finally we would come in the house and then go to bed. It was just weird. And then the one day I was at work and it's when he took off and ran, ran away, like disappeared, couldn't find him. Uh, thank God we ended up finding them. But, um, and then, you know, of course, Dr. Carray, who's been his doctor for many years, um, worked with us very closely to, you know, whether we were going to hospitalize him or not. You know, we really didn't want to do that. I think we were a little scared of that process and putting him in a yeah. mental health hospital. And we'd elected to keep him home and try to treat him at home. And I took a leave for a little while and spent a couple of weeks with him and he, he was doing better, you know, had to try a bunch of different medications and, but he's, he's doing well right now. He's doing much, Good. much better. I'm able to take him on this on the weekends. He does some recycling volunteers a couple hours. Does he, does he like recycling? Is that a thing loves for him? It. He, he oh loves to coordinate like everything, kind of organize it um, and then put it, dump them into the containers. He loves to watch every piece being 
dropped into the big bins. Gavin, my my son who uh, regressed, the only time he ever like wandered away from the house was he had this is when he was I don't know seven or eight years old. He was he was big into recycling for whatever reason, and he still he still is he still likes to manage that stuff now. And I was like, okay, so you go ahead and grab the recycling stuff, like go around the house and find the stuff that we need to you know recycle for trash day. And at, at one point, I went to go find him. I couldn't find him, and I'm like, whoa, like what's going on? I start to panic. I'm running through the house trying to figure out where he is. And here he had let himself out of the back door because he looked out the window and saw that there was a, a a bottle in the alleyway behind her house. And so he's like, Oh, that needs to be recycled. And so Mm. I ended up finding him down the road, going through people's trash cans, pulling out recyclables so that he could, he could put them in the recycle bin. Wow. And that's just, that's just funny that you, um, I mean, it's scary in a moment, but it's, it's funny the similarities. Yeah. Yeah, no, you and I, I'm telling you, there's a lot of, a lot of commonalities here between us with our stories. I know that my kids have changed me at my core, like who I am and how I see the world and whatever. Uh, and I, and I feel it in a very positive way. How has, has this journey impacted you personally? Like, like who you are, or what you do? Well, obviously started a platform, right? I think wanting more to help more people kind of drove me to that. I think again, um, I think I've always been a very caring person, wanting to help others. and But this pushed me more, I think, wanting to do more uh, for families, uh, more for children. You know, I, I want them to feel like I was a hand and pulling them out of the fire when they were in the fire. I didn't want anybody to be alone. I, I have a lot of single moms, a lot of single dads. I've, I've actually, over the years, had hundreds and hundreds of conversations. And I used to give them my number and say, call me. Like you'd shared before, had a couple dads and moms, you know, thinking about suicide, right? And and talked them off the ledge and and got them some help, right? And resources. And because when you're in that dark area, it's hard to see the light. And sometimes an outside person who is willing to go above and beyond for them, sometimes you could save their lives. And uh, you know, again, I I just there was a need, I think, for for that and being that person. And, uh, you know, again, I'm, I have the nickname Hope Man, right? So um, a show called Hope Saves the Day. And, um, you know, it was actually 2012, I might have told you this or not, but Atlantic City Convention, National Autism Society, uh, awarded me the Hope Man Award and gave me a comic book character called the Hope Man, which is my persona, which is a chef, radio host, and uh, a superhero. So Wow. Sure. That's really cool. Brian G. Brown was the creator of that too. Um, in fact, it was uh, Holly, Pete Robinson, and Rodney Pete yeah. gave me the, the uh, post. Yeah, I know Holly. Do you have like one piece of advice for parents, whether they're they're new uh, to the diagnosis, or maybe they're just they've been around for a while, but maybe they're struggling, and you know sometimes they just need to be reminded, you know, like it's going to be okay or whatever. But what's your best piece of advice? for parents who are just getting started? You know, that's a great question. And, and, you know, there's a couple of different ways I can answer this, but I always say, make sure you take care of yourself too. I think that's really important because sometimes we put so much energy and focus on our child with autism, we forget about ourselves. If we can't, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of others well, Rob. And I think that's an important message for me, I think to tell others, people that are married, make sure you have a date night. 
we used to actually, we run a program with a couple of the universities where we, we get some trained ABA therapists come out and they'll babysit for their child for the night and we give tickets and they, and they reconnect. But it's important that you, you know, and, and, and again, we talked about this too. If you have other siblings, you know, it's important that they don't get ignored either, right? And, and make sure you, you have some time for them. I mean, one of the things we did, my son stayed for a week with my parents. I was lucky enough to have them, obviously. And we took my daughter and my wife and we went on a vacation together for a week. I think it's important to have some normal things for the family too, because if everything is just therapy and about your child with autism, then you're not you're not having that balance and it just creates a, a very imbalance. And I also think the other thing I would think when you first have a diagnosis is just pace yourself, right? Because you, it's very overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, exactly. And there is a village behind you. There is a ton of resources out there and a lot of people willing to help you and a lot of great organizations out there that are here to support you through through that critical time of your life because it is it is difficult. It is very difficult when you first get that news. It's very scary because you don't know what the future brings. And we still don't know what the future brings. And my last question is, somebody asked me this the other day and I thought, wow, that's really interesting question. So I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you. When you look back on everything that you have been through, everything that you have done is as it relates to your, your son and this whole autism journey, is there anything that you regret or you wish you had done differently? Oh, that's a really good question. Probably a couple of therapies I wouldn't have done knowing mm -hmm. what I know now, which I didn't know then. That's a really good question. It's tough, right? I had a, I had a really hard time answering that. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we all did the best we could, right? I mean, of course there's always things we could do better. I think in the beginning, probably be a little more patient. Patience is very important. And that's definitely something I've learned to be way better with in this journey. My son has definitely taught me how to be more patient um, because I remember it was funny and it, it just reminded me, like there was one day we were trying to go somewhere and he stopped and, and kneeled on the ground. And I'm like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And he was like pulling me back. He was fighting me. And I'm like, come on, we got to get in the car. And it was a ladybug he was looking at, which I didn't even know. And it was like, it was a pink ladybug. I, I remember very distinctive. And he was like looking at it and he wanted me to see the pink lady. And as soon as I looked at it and acknowledged it, he was ready to go. He wanted me to see something. So I think that's a very, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it's like stop and smell the roses, the old saying. He was like in his own way teaching me, slow down. Don't be in such a rush. I can totally relate to that. So I, I guess to do it over, like slow down, slow down, pace yourself. I think I was going at such a rapid pace. I mean, we were driving all over the place every day. Like it was, you know, we're going here, we're going for ABA, we're going to this therapy, horseback. We were, I mean, it was like, it, it was a sprint instead of like the journey, I think. So I would have, I would have say, if I had to do it over, I would have slowed down a little bit, which I learned later. And if you're listening, this is really good advice because, you know, when you hear from somebody who has been through this and they're, they're farther along that journey than you are, you can, you can really learn from, from their experience and, and avoid some of those pitfalls, you know, slowing down and self-care like you talked about. And, yeah. you know, if you're married or you, you have a partner, you have to make that relationship a priority. I remember when, when I was still married, my therapist had told us that, you know, you have to focus on yourself first, then your marriage, then your kids, because your marriage is nothing if you fall apart. And the stronger the marriage is, 
the the stronger the two of you will be together and and the better partnership you have to raise your kids and, and a better example and you know whatever I forget how she said it now but you have to prioritize yourself you know you can't lose yourself along the way and I think that's really really good advice that's what I always tell people the same thing so I like the way you think yeah I mean I, I think just again you and I going through the journey this is what this is what we learned through the journey when I look back you know so again we didn't have a crystal ball we had feeling no your way through the dark falling in every hole that you possibly so. could <laughs> and having to climb out and learn from it. And we had some very tough nights, which, yeah. you know, we talked about too. I mean, it was, there was a time when he was trying to potty train and it was, oh my God, that was, that was a nightmare. Like he was putting poop all over walls and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you don't think you're going to get through that night, but I just leave this last notes of advice too, is that there will be brighter days yeah. and it will get better. And, uh, I want to just add on to that real quick. My, my, uh, uh, my friend Kate Swenson from Finding Cooper's Voice, we had talked about that exact same thing. And and I think it's important that we as parents recognize uh, or redefine what get better means, right? Because it isn't, it isn't just going to be like everything is fixed. It's better, meaning maybe you have additional resources or you are in a better place emotionally yourself or your child overcomes an obstacle or you overcome an obstacle or, you know, th there's just something that will happen that will improve your life. Doesn't fix everything, but if you're expecting things to just go away and be better, it's, it's not going to happen. But if you can appreciate those little incremental improvements along the way, then that can carry you from from one time to the next. And I think that's really, really important. So yeah, it's like the milestones, right? When my son was first potty trained, it was like the greatest day of my life. And the kid was 13 years old and he's going to the bathroom by himself. It took a long time, <laughs> but it happened. And people don't appreciate that. They don't recognize that. My youngest, the first time we were out at uh, IHOP and they they brought his food out and they didn't put it on separate plates like they were supposed to. And I thought, oh my God, we're going to have a meltdown. It's going to be, I'm already planning like the exit, right? Like how we're going to escape this. And he just decided that he was going to wipe off the fork when he was done touching one food. And, and he just, I mean, I have pictures and video and I was like, that is the coolest thing that I've ever experienced, you know, at that point. And I wouldn't have appreciated that, you know, that simple accomplishment right. if, uh, if it hadn't been for, for my kids. So again, another commonality, how, how can people find you? Well, they can go to our website, uh, autismradio.org, uh, which has all the information about obviously where our podcasts, if you want to, you know, we're on multiple platforms, obviously Apple, iTunes, hope saves the day. You can subscribe to the podcast. And of course, we have m many of our radio stations uh, available on there. You can tune in, like I said, every Saturday morning here in New Jersey, New York and Pennsylvania. Uh, we're on WNNJ every Saturday morning. Um, so you can tune in there live or again, listen to the podcast at your leisure, which is always mm -hmm. nice. Like we talked about 30 minutes. And I think that's a perfect platform. It's not too long. It's not too short. It's, it's a perfect amount of time to get some, hopefully some great information. Um, and that's what we're looking to do. And, and sometimes it's not even just the information. It might just be perspective, right? Sometimes people need uh, reminders about certain things and just, again, like I said, slow down or self-care or whatever it might be. Um, sometimes we need those reminders. We all could use a hand sometimes or, or some help. Again, I, I really appreciate it. it. It was, thank you, Rob. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for doing everything that, that you're doing. And I look forward to 
figuring out the overlap and, and how we can uh, collaborate and work together to, to try and bring change and positive things to people's lives. So no, I love it, man. I, I think, I, I think again, we're just so like-minded and I want to be able to help you. I know you can help me and we can help so many people together too. So I think it would be great. I love that. I love when I can work with people who have that same mentality and that same, uh, yep. what do they call it? Synergy. I don't know. It's yeah. Corporate synergy. Thing. Yes. I'll have all the information in the show notes below and in the blog post and, and all that stuff. So the people can just great. click on it and, and go there. And uh, if there's anything that you want shared on uh, the page that I'll have set up for this on my site, let me know okay. and we'll make sure we include everything sure. in that. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll send you the autism parenting magazine. Uh, recent was July, a uh, really cool. nice article there. Tells a little background of uh, autism radio, hope saves a day. Uh, kind of what we talked about here. And of course in 2018, big honor was nominated for the UN you know, for my work in the autism field. So that was, that was a big one too. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. And well-deserved. Thank you, sir. Very well-deserved. Appreciate that. Well, have, I don't know what day is it, Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Have a great rest of the week. Well, it's Wednesday when Thank we're recording you, you too. this. Have a great rest of the week. It all slurs together yeah. anymore. So I, I don't, I don't know the days. Yeah. All right. So yeah, take care and we'll be in touch. Yes, absolutely, Rob. All right. See ya. Before I close things out today, I want to say thank you to Paul for taking the time to come on the show and talking to us about his life and his journey as an autism dad and what inspired him to start Autism Radio and the Hope Saves a Day podcast. I really appreciate everything that you do for the community and you have been doing for the community, uh, especially with encouraging people to share their stories and giving them a voice and helping them to share their experiences. That's so important. You know, dads especially tend to kind of close off and not talk about how they're feeling. And we got to fix that. You know, we got to have these conversations so people don't feel so isolated and they don't feel so alone. So thank you, Paul, for being such a good example and for taking the time to come on the show. I really do appreciate it. So if you guys want to find out more about Paul Simmons and all of the amazing things that he's doing for the community, just visit autismradio.org. Link will be in the show notes below and check out his podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe. I'll have links to that below as well. As for me, you can find me at listen.theautismdad.com where you can interact with this podcast, comments, feed ideas, or you want to be a guest, you can apply to be a guest. You can explore sponsorship opportunities and just about anything else right from the website. So make sure you guys check that out. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you on Friday. All right. See you. Bye.